The Gun Experiment proudly presents Chopping It Up. And here are your hosts, Mike and Big Keith. Well, sort of, kind of, not really. Uh, so I'm not here with Big Keith. Uh, I Keith is on vacation. So I am actually in studio sitting across from me in Big Keith's chair is our, our friend, my my now training partner. We yep, cut some awesome video. Uh, Sean Martin, a.k.a. Pink Shirt Tactical, is in the studio with me. Um, how you doing, bud? Good, man. Good evening. How we doing? Doing well. Um, how have you been? Good. Yeah. Staying busy. Things are looking good. Cool. So I know we have uh, a lot to talk about. Yes, Keith, before he went on vacation, he sent mm. in a bunch of awesome topics and articles to talk about. I know you brought some fun surprises yep. to talk about. So we're going to get into it. Let's just take care of a little bit of business here. So I want to remind everyone that we release new content every Tuesday morning. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And of course, we have to mention our friends over at Target Sports USA. When it comes to buying ammunition, you need to look for a product that is accurate, reliable, and if possible, reasonable in price. New Republic Ammunition from Target Sports USA checks all three of these boxes and comes in six popular calibers. Be sure to sign up for their Ammo Plus membership at targetsportsusa.com, which gets you 8% off all ammo purchases and makes you eligible for their truck giveaway on October 14th. And then, to make it even better, uh, they do their Ammo Plus Day on September 19th. So during uh, that day, uh, 9 by 19 they will have all kinds of awesome steals and deals and things you can kind of get yourself for a, a killer price. Have you ever gone to their site on that day? Um, I haven't actually, because Target Sports always, you know, has the membership, and yeah. I always I know multiple people that have it. I'm yeah. like, oh, you got a membership, right? You uh, you, you want to buy me something? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, that that day they have like all kinds of stuff. It's not just on ammo either. It's okay. on, uh, on gear and nice. stuff. So that's nice, a good nice. cool thing to kind of check out. Is so New Republic is that like Target Sports brand? That's their they brand. make that stuff. They engineered it. Uh, okay. I want to say Keith would probably have a better idea of this, but I want to say New Republic was probably rolled out in the spring okay. of this year, mm -hmm. maybe a little before spring. All right. So if you guys are out there and you're looking to support the show, what I'm going to recommend you do right now is head over to thegunexperiment.com and join our mailing list. I literally just put out a new uh, newsletter uh, that just dropped and I'm going to be starting, I think this week coming up, weekly deals where you basically, I'll do all the hard work and I'll find you the deals on some cool gear. And uh, you can go in there and you can buy whatever you want. So we'll do the heavy lifting and you get the benefit of just <laughs> That's nice. getting an awesome email with uh, awesome. some some good deals on it. I got a guy who does that for me, like optics and everything. Justin, yeah. if you're listening, what's up, bud? <laughs> Before we introduce tonight's guest co-host, let's talk about on-site firearms training. Mm -hmm. Oddly enough, you're here. That's right. <laughs> the entire crew over there are an astounding, outstanding group of people who genuinely care about helping their students become better shooters. They have an extensive course offering and teach classes throughout the country. Whether it's pistol, shotgun, or even tactical lever action, you're guaranteed to find a course to meet your needs. So check them out at OFTLLC.us. And since I have a member of the squad mm -hmm. here in studio, is there anything you'd like to add? Um, I mean, you covered it pretty well, but we covered all the courses. We even have like a long range curriculum coming up in the new future. You've met uh, Tom Rufino, our other instructor. Uh, yes. Yeah. No, he was a medic in a recon platoon. He's going to be doing a, uh, like a basic long range curriculum. So that's okay. going to be added. We got force on four stuff coming up. Yeah, we got, we, we do all of the shooty things. Yeah, cool. And like I said it in, in the ad read itself, but like for me, what really always impresses me is at the end of the class, we do like a debrief. Yes. And 
it always impresses me that you guys really care about the students. And when I say that it's, and, and this is just the way that the world works, but mm-hmm. the student has to put in the work. Yes. But if they're willing to put in the work, you guys really work hard to meet them the rest of the way. Of course. And that part is really, really awesome. So I, I do appreciate that. I know a lot of the students that oh, we Oh, I know a lot with. of guys do. And that's a big part of the way I teach is that, you know, you go to a lot of schools that like I was in the military for this long. I was a cop. I did SWAT. I did this. I did that. I didn't do any of that. I six, seven, seven change years ago, I was a YouTube internet warrior watching Grand Thumb, Brand, all the all, you know, all the dudes you can watch. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And I came across Jaeger and he's like, you got to get training. You got to get training. And I'm like, all right, let me go get training. And then, you know, I showed up to a fighting pistol class back in like 2019 and I just didn't stop. You went down the rabbit hole. Yeah, go way. <laughs> oh my God. So down the rabbit hole. All right. Well, it's time to bring in our guest co-host for tonight. Oh, and right. our guest, guest co-host is none other than Big Keith. Keith, how are we doing? It's going good. I'm happy to still be able to <laughs> make it even though I'm on vacation. I'm uh, enjoying a ET Sunday down here in Farmingdale, New Jersey with a Manhattan and a beer chaser. Nice. 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 So I have to say this is bonkers and bizarre to me. Uh, I'm sitting across from someone else other than you and you are still on. <laughs> and he's in my yeah, seat. Yeah, this, I mean, this is, well, I couldn't, I couldn't sit, sit somewhere else because I needed to see across. It's right. weird to talk to someone across the table when you're the only the two people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, Keith. I could, anyway. I could fill neither your shoes nor your chair tonight. So, well, just put my chair back where in the adjustments. Okay. Right. <laughs> all right. So uh, even though Keith is the guest co-host, uh, Sean is, uh, who I want to catch up with. Cause I mm-hmm. see Keith all the time. So Sean, what did you bring tonight? So I brought, uh, I've been messing with some optics, so I don't know if everybody's seen, uh, Swamp Fox recently dropped the Raider T2 or no, the Raider two, not the T2. And I was sent one a little while ago to do a little bit of, you know, see how it is. We talked a little bit earlier before the show goes like where Swamp Fox falls in a lot of their new optics, they're trying to get into the duty and carry markets. Yeah. So this particular one, it's a prism optic. It's a prism optic, you know, no magnification. But in I've only initial impressions, I got about 1,500 rounds through it. About that, I took it through a Bob Keller class and just an independent range day. And it was, it's pretty cool. The, the reticle is nice. It's set up for like... Like a fifty yard zero for five five six, okay. but it has the holds like the CQB holds, so you're not guessing so much. Okay. I mean, if you're comfortable with your gun, you're going to know your holds anyway. But it has like graduated 50, 25, 10, 5 yard. So if you're doing something inside, like a BDC, basically, it's they call it the BRC reticle, the bullet okay. rise compensator. Okay. But obviously, with five five six, once you're zeroed at fifty, you're an inch high at like two hundred, and or you're you're dropping back down to two hundred, but like a hundred and fifty, inch and a half at a hundred. It's, it's once you get out to a certain difference, you can't really perceive that unless you're doing like super precision stuff. And then right. you have a bolt gun with a crazy uh, scope. But another one, which I paid for, I got a Swamp Fox Kraken, which they've had out for a while. Swamp Fox's Kraken. It's releasing the Kraken. And let me tell you, <laughs> it's pretty dope. I paid for it. So I'm not, you know, being sponsored to do this. I paid for this optic and I wanted to do it. You guys know that I'm, I'm not nice to my stuff. Yep. So I want to see what it does. Enclosed mitter, red dot. Okay. About the size of an acro. Yes, about the size of an acro. But the thing that I found funny, because, you know, we're all gearheads. We're men. We like to buy stuff. So yep. we're constantly looking online, looking at stuff. And CNH dropped some red dots a while ago. And I'm like, oh, yeah, let me check that out. Because, you know, they do all the slide milling, which they actually milled this one, did a phenomenal okay. job. 
And I'm looking on the website. They have an enclosed emitter. I'm like, oh, cool. Let me check that out. And just looking at the pictures, I'm like, wow, that that profile looks suspiciously similar. <laughs> I'm not making any accusations, but they may or may not have come from the same Allegedly. place. Allegedly. <laughs> but again, not a paid endorsement, but I like it. I don't know. I, I know you're kind of on the aesthetics when we talked about when you got the EPS a while ago yeah. and like what aesthetics wise, I'm not worried about it. It is big. It's though. big. It's big. It's Even big. like if I, well, put, the acro is big too. Yeah, put this in the appendix holster. It ta- it does take up noticeably more room like yeah. versus an RMR EPS, whatever. The EPS was for me was like a really kind of best of both worlds. And the fact that it's a close emitter, it's big, but it's not mm-hmm. gargantuan big. Oh, hold on. You mean <laughs> it's not cracking big. <laughs> that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so if you look at the two of these, like there's mm-hmm. there's a big difference between oh, these yeah. two in size. The EPS is a, it's my favorite right now. It's it's awesome. It's yeah. durable. So clear. the question that I had uh-huh. is, and and I have no relationship with Swamp Fox. Mm-hmm. I have heard good things about them. I know they have like somewhat of a, for lack of a better term, a lifetime guarantee. Yes. What we were talking about, sort of off the air briefly, Keith was. Trigicon people are going to say nothing's better than Trigicon. I have an opinion on their right? on their stuff too, but. I think that Hollow Sun has really taken a large share of the market share because they have created products that are built well at a very good price. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So my question to Sean was, where does this come in? Because just like people said, you know, oh, you know, Trigicon, 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 and then Holosun started to kind of grab some of that market share. Is there, you know, is the same thing going to happen? Like, does this just need more time to prove? How do you feel about that? I definitely think between the new Raider that just dropped, this Kraken, and some of the LPVO offerings, Swamp Fox is definitely going to see its way in a lot more serious use. Yeah. And and I think really optics are no different than anything else in in our industry. There's just, there are people who are brand loyalists. Of course, of course. you know, there are people like us, I think, Sean, I don't, I'm not, I don't know. We don't, we haven't talked hundred percent about this, but Mike, I know you and I are like this. We're not loyal per se to any particular one brand. We have a lot of different manufacturers yeah. and a lot of different, you know, firearms and, you know, so, you know, like you said, Sean, there's a place for it everywhere. And, um, you know, uh, I, I mean, I've told a story before I, I put a Trigicon on the Nighthawk because I was being completely 100% bougie. Right. <laughs> wanted, that's fine. I just, I just wanted the best on. And it's your, you know? and it's your money and you can spend it how you want to. Right. Right. I, but I like, I like Mike's Holoson. I've shot quite a, you know, it quite a few times. Mm-hmm. And I think the reticle selection is probably one of the best parts of, you know, those, uh, those reticle of uh, those uh, optics is being, well, we talked, between reticles. we talked, you and I shot at the last yes. class that we shot <laughs> that, um, the new Trigicon, like, sorry, but like, you're a little late to the party, you know, like, yeah. like the industry kind yeah. of moved on and created things. Now you're mm-hmm. coming and bringing the same technology that's already out there. Absolutely. Like, I, I was just, it just popped in my head as we're talking about Mike, have you tried switching reticles? Oh yeah. I've, I've used them mm-hmm. before. Yeah. But in training? Um, not a whole lot. Um, I wonder if you should try that. So in my experience with students that have hollow suns or any other optic that has like a multi-reticle system, be- you're the best results you're going to get on target is if you pick a reticle and stick with it. Yeah. If you switch yeah, mid-class Mike, or something. But we're trying to we're trying to get Mike to that next level, mm-hmm. right? So it might not be bad for him to try something 
Try some well, and you have it, right? It's not like you have to go buy it. It's yeah. reticle that you have. You, you so. hold down a button right. for a few seconds. Exactly. Yeah. It's very right. it's very shooter specific. Some guys really like the just the circle. Some guys like just the dot. It's kind of like- Try the dirty 30 with it. Yeah, yeah. that's a thing. It's true. It's like green versus red. It's your eyeballs. Right. Like one is not better than the other. Like I prefer red. Right. Not because it's cheaper or it's this or that. It's because that's what my eyes, both Rachel and Ben- like they green. like greens, right. just because that's yeah. what works for them. I find green is a little too just visually distracting or whatever. It just doesn't, it's not the same to me. I prefer the reds. Green means go, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I want to get into our first article for discussion tonight. And this is, he's back, David Hogg. He thinks green means go. He's joining. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he's into it. So David Hogg revealed, we, we've talked about this before, but he reveals why he joined a gun club. So we know that he joined a gun club. That was the last time we talked. Now he reveals why he joined. Oh, I can't and wait so to, I, I'm going to- He's enjoying can't it. can't wait That's to hear why. this. I'm going to play this audio. This was, I'm just to set it up. He's talking about, uh, this was after a particular uh, mass shooting. So we're going to play this. Just a couple of weeks ago, right? I don't know when that shooting was. I don't know what, what he was referring to, but it was after a okay. shooting. Here we go why I did that. It was after one of the many shootings that had happened this year that I was thinking to myself, I just, I could not sleep that night. And I was thinking, what, it, what is the last thing? Like, what have I not done? You know, we've talked uh, to counter protesters. We've talked to people who support us. We've rallied support. We've turned out voters. And ultimately what I realized is the only thing that I haven't done is I haven't gone directly to the pe- a lot of the people who do disagree with me, mm-hmm. right? And meet them where they're at. And Surely that's not for everybody in the gun violence prevention movement by any means. But I grew up around guns because my dad was an FBI agent. Mm -hmm. You know, my first time shooting guns was when I was in fourth grade. And I thought, what better way to demonstrate that I understand what I'm talking about here than to go out and learn more about gun safety, talk to gun owners who don't agree with me, and many of whom who do agree with me, right? Because there are gun owners, a lot of them, who do support the stuff that we're talking about. Okay, well, first off, David, I, I don't agree with you. I'll start with that. Yep. I'll second that. <laughs> uh, all right, Keith, I'm going to let you start with this because I have a lot to say I, on this. I think we all do, but mm-hmm. I'm going to let you start. I just, you know, well, first of all, the, what I, I, I don't re I'm not watching the video as we're listening to this, but there was a point where they showed some pictures while they were talking yep. of him at the gun club and he's doing some of my favorite activities. He's shooting clays, man. He's shooting trap. He's, he's, smiling for pictures. I think he's enjoying it. I, I don't think he's being honest. What was funny to <laughs> me think, was you were like, of course he's doing fun activities. That was my... Well, yeah, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I, I did say that. Um, but I think I think it's hypocritical. I think he's really enjoying it. I don't think... I mean, the guy's got a smile on his face. He's got an over-under shotgun. Yeah, but I think if you asked him, he would. this would be where his talking point would go, you know... I have no problem with you owning a shotgun, but why do you need an AR-50? It would turn into like it, mm-hmm. it would turn into. Oh, fun that's where he's going, hundred percent, right. and that's where he's going with the comment of a lot of a lot of gun owners who agree with <sighs> me. You know, because there's a lot of fuds that don't think yeah. you need a thirty round mag yeah. and an AR. Sure, they're Woodstocks and they're nineteen elevens. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it. I, I I know some of those people too, <laughs> but um, it's it's just not the point. It's it's just. I, I said this to you privately, Mike, when we were talking about this. I just think that anti-gun people see him as such an amazing man for 
being able to go to a gun club and experience this on their behalf so that they don't have to, you know, like, like, look at, he's going and doing this so we don't have to. And he's a, he's anti-gun and it's just, I think he's having fun. So Sean, what are your thoughts? So I got a lot on this one. So one going to, Harvard's shooting club isn't exactly going to the average gun. Is it Harvard's? I didn't yes. know that. And, oh. and so I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Oh, it is Harvard's. Because I'm going to piggyback off of that. Okay, yeah, go on. So now. one of my notes that I had written down was that he he makes the, the statement, and I'm quoting him, that he wants to meet gun owners where they're at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not what you're doing. You're not meeting... like you're not meeting us where we're at because you're assuming that all gun owners are doing these activities like shooting trap. That That's not all gun owners. You're They all should mm. be. It's a shit ton of fun. It's, of course it's fun. That's but, why we're here. But he's being disingenuous, <laughs> like right? 12. Because he's trying to make it sound like I'm out there like trying to meet gun owners where mm-hmm. they're at, but you're meeting one single demographic of gun owners. Mm-hmm. That's like trying to say like, you know, you want to go get to know Asian Americans better. And you go to one Asian American and say, well, I, yeah. I met them where they're at. I want to. I thought you were going to say you went to a Chinese I was just going to say that, Keith. I was just going <laughs> to jump on that. I, I thought it. I so just, let, me piggy, yeah, let me piggyback on your piggyback. Yeah, Mike, go. do you, any of the, your shooters, any of your friends that you shoot with, train with, any of them go to Harvard? No. Keith, anybody you train or shoot with go to Harvard? No. Uh, my, my, my brother is dating somebody that goes to Yale. Doesn't count. I don't know no. Do you shoot with that person? <laughs> no. Oh, that's my point. So- She's from China. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, I want to go to where gun owners are at. Going to the Harvard Trap and Skeet or Sporting Clays, whatever. There, That is not – that is the most ivory tower crap I've ever heard. David Hogg going to the Harvard shooting team to talk to gun owners is like when Gwyneth Paltrow was like, oh, I want to live on normal people money. So she did like – she bought food stamps for a week or something. <laughs> and she went to Whole Foods and bought all the expensive crap that she would normally buy. <laughs> right. Well, and that's that's exactly that was my point with the Asian American mm-hmm. thing. It's like you're trying to say I can relate, mm-hmm. but you're not really related. It's not relatable. No. And you know the other thing he said. There's a couple things I wrote down some notes here. Mm-hmm. Is it's the best way to demonstrate that he knows what he's talking about. That was another thing he yep. said. He knows and what it's he's like, talking about. And like just because oh, you what, did what a little is- a bit of shooting, there's no context. It doesn't mean you know what you're talking about. But but. The media, but he has a platform. MSNBC uh-huh. is letting him talk about it, right? And then the last thing that this really frust- really frustrated me. They were talking about mass shootings going up. Mm-hmm. And he said, it's just simple math. If you sell more guns, you're going to have more gun deaths. And I'm like, that is oversimplifying this so much because of course that's true, right? If there's more gun, if there's no guns, there can't be shooting. So that's not, in. I don't want to say entirely true. Correlation does not equal causation. That's true. Also, in- I have a couple things, more things on this. Let me just finish my thought. Yeah, yeah, do you think? Yeah, yeah. What I was going to say is, yes, that may be true. Mm -hmm. If you have more guns, there can be more shootings, but you're discounting so Mm -hmm. many other factors. It's not a one-to-one. Right? There's so many other things. There's mental health, and that's like a a buzzword and a talking term, but Mm -hmm. the fact that we're living in a time where there is possibly more mental health issues Mm -hmm. and less mental health treatment centers, it's very disturbing to me. Because he's just boiling it down to more guns, more more shootings. And there's so many more factors. Yeah. So the whole more guns, more shootings thing. Newsom talked about it a while ago when he brought up the 28th Amendment. He's like, oh, all these bloodbaths in these red states. You hear Democrats talking a lot about this, but there's one place they never talk about. Like the blue, like it's a, it's a blue state. It's a nice state that I visited. New Hampshire. 
New Hampshire is a permitless carry state. Yep. They have no assault weapons laws. They also have the most machine guns per capita. There's more machine gun owners in New Hampshire than all the other states. Right. How's the crime rate in New Hampshire? What's that like? New Hampshire, I believe, has been like the least violent state in the United States. The reality of it is that these mass shootings are. You cannot. Sorry, you cannot. I'm sorry, Mike. You cannot discount the fact that the places with the toughest gun laws have the Mm -hmm. highest gun crime. Yeah. All right, so Keith, I want to move on from the hog. Uh, take me the to hog. this to this boy. This this story is crazy to me. So go ahead. <laughs> so uh, in Mississippi, here a mom who needed some. Uh, this is back in the early beginning of August, August tenth. Mom needed some uh, legal advice, so she stopped by a lawyer's office, and her daughter and her ten year old son uh, waited in the car. And while they were, which you know, I. I don't know how old the the daughter was. It doesn't say, but you know, unless the daughter was like I don't know, fifteen, sixteen, this might not. Have I been think such they a were both idea. children, like ten ish, yeah. nine ish, something like that. But uh, anyway, uh, depending on the age, bad idea. Um, <laughs> at some point, the ten year old son boy says, "You know, I got to go take a piss." <laughs> he doesn't say it like that, but he decides he has to go to the bathroom. The daughter apparently says, "There's no bathroom in there," so he says, "All right." So he gets out of the car and he goes to take a leak behind the car. Just as he's doing this, uh, a police officer drives by and notices him peeing in the back. Stops by, goes inside, gets mom. Mom comes out. Mom's a little disappointed, obviously. And, uh, you know, says, what's, why did you do that? And he goes, well, you know, I didn't think there was a bathroom inside. And she goes, you know better. You should have came and got me. The police officer seemed to be willing to say, okay, fine, you know, mom's here doing a parenting thing and we're just going to let this go. And then another police officer arrives and decides that the best answer for this is to arrest the 10-year-old boy. So they literally put this 10-year-old boy in the back of a police officer. In, uh, I think the yeah. picture shows him in cuffs. Uh, no, no cuffs. No, they just oh, sat no him in the back. Yeah. Okay. No, they just sat him in the back and um, brings him down. And the mother has to go down and get him from the the station. And um, it's just, it's a little bit extreme, right? And there is a, a sentence here, a, a response from the chief uh, of the police department here. And, you know, we'd like to, he says, we'd like to address the recent incident involving the arrest of a 10 year old child in situations like these. Youth Court Act guides um, offer uh, officers uh, how they may deal with juveniles during enforcement encounters, um, allows for officers to file a referral against a child as young as seven. What the if, hell? And uh, if they are in need of supervision. So, could I just interject um, really quick? Yep. So, first off, let me start by saying, uh, I have a seven-year-old boy and I'm not going to lie. He pisses outside all the time. Um, <laughs> like it does it too. Yeah. I mean, I mean literally like, sometimes we get home and before he goes inside, he goes, yeah. And I mean, it's not, it's our property. Not no, I know, property. but you're but not I mean, peeing in front of a lawyer. No, <laughs> but, but I can tell you that I have had him pull on the side of the highway when he's had to go. And he's, I mean, who hasn't done yeah, that? Yeah. I was going to say like, yeah. what, what, male has not done that. Right. And I'm not saying, obviously, I mean, he's a 10 year old kid. Like he was like, I had to go to the bathroom. He went behind the car. 
this is not something out of the realm of reality that I could see my own son doing. Okay. And so the reason I bring that up is I would be furious. Of course. Right. I don't, I, I respect law enforcement. I have family that's law enforcement. Sean, I know you do as well. Keith, you as well. I support law enforcement, but this is a bonehead. This is dumb. Fucking move. Okay. And I just, I don't know how they could be so obtuse and dense and not see how this is just terrible mm-hmm. in so many ways. I mean, the chief, the chief, the, the, in this chief's response, he does sort of say this was not probably a wise decision. <laughs> right. That kind of goes um, without saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he tries to take, you know, he tries to take defense of his guys, which or girls, whatever. He He's going to support them. Which he should. Um, you know, he says the officer did not observe a parent at the scene during the initial contact. The mother was located nearby the business and was advised her child was, you know, going to receive a youth court referral for the matter. Um, the child was not handcuffed and under these circumstances, it was an error in judgment for us to transport the child. Mm-hmm. But this is the line that kind of gets me. Mistakes like this are a reminder in this profession as to the continual need for training and refreshers on various topics that we encounter each day. Uh, hello, what? that's your job as the chief, right? Like get your, get yourself together. Like don't be, don't be trying to broad stroke this mm-hmm. in the whole country. Uh, you know, like every, every department would have handled well, this the same and way. And the other thing is you're, you're bringing up training but I'm sorry, there's something in police work called discretion mm-hmm. and they are allowed to use their discretion yeah. and no or, amount- Let's call it common sense. Right? Yeah. That's my point. No amount of training is gonna make that guy all of a sudden have common sense. That mm-hmm. cop clearly does not have it. You know, we're mm-hmm. we're talking about this in a broad sense. You know, let's, let's let me bring this part up, I guess. It was a young African-American boy, yeah. right? So- I, that's what I'm trying to say, Sean. Yeah. Like, obviously, I don't, you know, it doesn't show a picture of the police officer, uh-huh. but um, he's obviously got something going on mm-hmm. here. Well, like, there's doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense. I'm glad you brought this um, up because one of the things that I thought of, and, and I forgot to say it until you just mentioned it, is the idea that this is not how you fix community relations. No. This no. is not, this screws all that up. This screws all that this, up. This doesn't create this doesn't help create any of the uh, division right. that we're experiencing. And, and, and as a white American, let me be, the, let me, I'm appalled by let this. me be the right. <laughs> let me be the one to say that this is where I have to go. take a step back and go. And again, I'm not saying all cops, obviously, mm-hmm. but maybe this is where the black community goes. We have a problem with mm-hmm. the way that we interact with police. Well, this is maybe this is what they're experiencing that we don't experience. Maybe something, you know, it's something to think about. So anyway, yeah, Keith, I thought it was I thought it was a very interesting story, like a lot to talk about with it. Um, but I think we're I think we all agree it was definitely it was a stupid move. And the last little tiny tidbit on that, the chief was like, Oh, this is why we need more training in law enforcement. I'd love to see what their PD uh, shooting calls look like. I'd love to see what they look like when, yeah. if you're gonna talk about training. Right. Yeah. All right. S- send them to a course with us, mm-hmm. right, Sean. <laughs> so let's talk about something a little bit lighter. See if they can do the dirty thirty. <laughs> so uh New York State had its Woodsman's Field Day. And Keith said this to me and it was like, we were like, who knew, right? Yeah. Like we live in New York. <laughs> who knew this was I've never a heard of this. So I don't know if you did this or not. We, we'd be, we would have been going uh, to this. I don't know if you did this, but I went to YouTube and I actually looked it up to see the events. Did you do that by chance? 
I looked at a couple of them. So this is like they have legitimate like what is it where the log is floating and you like walk like yeah. roll on the log spunking like, or something. I don't know what yeah. that's called. So is this like a trade show and like like the steel yes. chainsaw games? Like it's a combination yeah, of that stuff. It's sort of like yes. a think of like a county fair where mm-hmm. like people show their wares and their different chainsaws yeah. and their products, mm-hmm. but they also have all these like events. Okay. So they have uh, I'll just list a few. They have axe throwing. They have log rolling. They have the the, the floating log where you you run on it. They had. Um, you can check out the newest zero turns. Yeah, there was, <laughs> there was a lot of just like equipment. A lot of demos. Yeah, yeah, a lot of like landscaping mm-hmm. and like backhoes and stuff like that. So, uh, it's to promote the forestry industry. Correct. Very very cool. Um, I thought it was. I I mean I it's something like you said, Keith. I think it would be cool to go to. Um, yeah, I want to go to know. this horse getting expedition. What the hell? I want to see some horses pull some shit. But I have to say that the first thing I thought about is I don't know if California tug of war, mm. greased pole. Greased pole. Yeah. Can you imagine climbing a that greased sounds, pole? That sounds, that sounds like something I don't want to do. <laughs> it sounds terrible. I don't think I want to go anymore. Um, <laughs> I don't know if California has one of these, but I have to say that this did, while I think it's cool and I'm not knocking it and I would go to it and I think it's awesome, it is a very fun thing, right? <laughs> and so, uh, I, I've always thought this, but I, That's some fun in you. I've never actually said this. And that is this. We're so tight on gun regulations, right? Like there's so much like, you know, ant, uh, gun control stuff. But do you know how dangerous a fucking chainsaw is? Oh my is? God. Like, it's wild. <laughs> like, it is wild. I, first of all, I am, I'm like, have a very, very healthy respect and fear of a chain. for a chainsaw. Oh yeah. Like they are terrifying to me. And there's so much that can go wrong. And guess what? You can go to any chainsaw sales mm-hmm. center in the country and, just buy, one. and buy the biggest. Mm-hmm. I think we could. I, you know what? We should test this. I'm gonna. I should send my kid into Lowe's <laughs> buy a chainsaw I, I, and I, see if he can buy a I, chainsaw. I did think about that. I was like, oh I wonder because I mean, there's no law against it. Mm. I wonder. Right. He just walks up Keith, and he we, walks up to the self checout line. Oh, and do that sounds great. I'll do it. Oh Let's do God. it. I'll I'll follow him around. And that film would be awesome. amazing. And then we'll we'll just return it. Yeah. You know, we'll just go back in and return it after he buys it because we already own one. Can we together. send my son and your son together? The two of them just <laughs> the walk up, carrying a chainsaw. Go th- say, just go get any get chainsaw. The biggest you can chainsaw carry. you can find. Carry it on <laughs> your shoulders you out carry. together. I mean, yeah. It, it, each each get an end <laughs> and see if any adults say anything. Right? Like, <laughs> it, it's amazing. Like, I I mean, all right. So you know, my son is in on yeah. that. He's gonna oh. he's gonna be like, well, let's do it. So, only his his condition is going to be. I get to start. That <laughs> I want to start it in the store. <laughs> so take take away that that part of this because I think that's a great idea. But even as an adult, think about this: you can go in and you can buy a monstrous chainsaw. Like there's some chainsaws that are like really fucking big, mm-hmm. right? Nobody says like, hey, you know, have you ever used one before? No one cares. Just walk out with it. Why do you need a chainsaw that big? Why does it have to have that big of a fuel tank? Right, exactly. Did you get a permit for that chainsaw? Why can it run for 10 hours? (laughs) Not not to like, you know, not everything has to be about guns, but it's just always interesting to me that like there's certain things in this country that Mm -hmm. they want to regulate so much. But like, it's the same with cars. Like Keith, you could fucking be anybody that has a driver's license and go buy a super car that you cannot handle, you know? I'm not saying my car. <laughs> there are cars that I know that I have driven are should not be road legal. <laughs> like you mm. should not be able to go that fast. Well, in a car I was just talking road. to you've met um, cousin Andrew before. We were I just was with him yesterday, and we were talking about like cars that we like and stuff. And I was like, I really like the new Corvette. Like, there's a lot about the new Corvette that That's I like. Cool. And he said 
Do you know, and I don't know if the, this is true or not, but it's what he said. Do you know that the Corvette has one of the like most, uh, it's one of the most like wrecked cars or the number one most wrecked car. And he said, when you think about it, it makes sense because a lot of people who buy them, they're buying them like that midlife crisis, sort of like their, their retirement gift. And they've never driven a car. They, they're used to driving <laughs> a sedan. And now you put them in a supercar. That's like, yeah. you know, you can get one for like 80, 90 grand and it's pretty obtainable. And like, you know, you're somebody who retires in business mm -hmm. and you have that kind of money, discretionary income. Yeah. Like you have no, maybe no business driving that thing. But yeah. There's no regulations on it. Yep. Yeah. My father actually bought a uh, Challenger a while ago. The yeah. scat pack, like it, yeah, fast. And uh, my Sean, my my dad, seventy six yep. years old, has a five hundred horsepower, you know, Challenger. Mm -hmm. He's driving around all the time. Have you driven it? Yeah, I yeah. Have. No, I've I've I think I've driven my dad's car twice because you get in there, like you know, you're driving along, and it's like, oh, I need to go a little faster. So you just kind of you just push on your gas pedal a little bit just to pick it up. You do that in a Challenger, you're going from like forty to eighty yeah, in a second. A it's with. insane. I, so he, when he first got it, he let me take it for a ride mm -hmm. and I took it out with him in it and we got back to my house and uh, he goes, that's the last time you drive that car until I die. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this is not like, this is not a uh, statement about your father, but I'm just staying with the theme here. At what point do we say, you know, your reaction time slows as you mm -hmm. get older? Like, at what point do we say? Oh, um, it's something that crosses my mind all the time because my father, like I just said, 76 years old. He still drives He's a car guy. approximately 50,000 miles a year, 60,000 miles a year. He'll drive. He'll get in the car tomorrow and drive to Florida and not think twice. Right. Cool. And it's like, at what point, you know, I, I, I dread the day that I have to tell him. And Mike, you know, we got a couple car guys in the neighborhood. Yeah. My father will lead us on car cruises and he hammers and he like, you know, he is not, he is not afraid to drive fast still at his age. Right. And to your point, it's like, at what point, I mean, he just literally a, a couple, like a month ago, he was at Charlotte National Speedway racing Mustangs nice. on the racetrack. Awesome. And, yeah. and, and again, this is not to put your father on blast, but it's just at some point we all, no, we all hit a, we hit a, a point. Right. And, but again, there's no, it's a realistic conversation. No it's law. not out of line. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't even have to re like recertify Take your driver's test. license. Think mm, about yeah. that. Right. They like New York state, you have to recertify your pistol permit, but you could be 95 years old and still using the same license you had when your vision was 2020. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think the requirement is twenty twenty. But what no, you're just saying, though, yeah, yeah, that the fact you, that it doesn't matter yeah. that you used to have a good vision and now you maybe have no vision. Yeah, no one's checking. Have you not renewed your driver's license recently? You do have to do a vision test. I did it. Vision, yes. yes you do a vision test. Okay. It's not. Don't get me wrong. It's not a very detailed vision I test. Can say the last time I renewed my driver's license, <laughs> I've ever checked that out. Yeah. Knowing you, it's probably expired. Yeah, probably. yeah because I, I have that. Out. I'm check right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, riding with you with. I don't know, six, eight guns in the car yeah. and we get pulled over because you got no registration. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care about that. Luckily, the cop was a, was a gun, gun guy. Yeah, lucky yeah. on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care about that shit. I'm not renewing shit. Hey, you no, I mean, everything. I don't need no damn license. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Keith, talk about this court battle over forced reset triggers. Yeah. So, I just, uh, you know, it was one of those things where I was like, man, how did I miss getting one of those things? <laughs> They were brief. They were on the market very briefly. It, it was, yeah, it was not very long, but uh, 
back in 2020, they declared the device as illegal, uh, machine guns and rare breed triggers uh, found in Florida basically just said, no, you're wrong, ATF, and I'm going to keep selling them. So they sold them for a while. And uh, I want to say they got like 100,000 out or maybe maybe a little bit more, I think the article said. Um, But now they have been forced to to stop selling them. And um, they have a lawsuit, though. Like, uh, yes. The, let me look at the, where the lawsuit, what the name of the lawsuit is. So uh, it was in January, okay. uh, accusing the company of fraud. And um, the defendants are illegally selling machine guns, <laughs> plain and simple. So I had not uh, heard about this. First of all, let me start by that. I had not heard about yep. these. I, when I just, you sent this to me, I was thinking of binary triggers. And no, so, different. right. So a binary trigger is you pull, it shoots, yep. you release, it shoots, which I'm going to say, to me, I'm saying for me personally, I'm not saying uh, this is not a referendum on anyone else. That is a fucking horrible idea. Like there's already enough going on in my head about mm-hmm. like when to do what and how to be safe. I don't need to think about, all right, I've pulled it and now mm-hmm. what do I do? To- oh, you're just overthinking it. Just just, just every time you pull the trigger, it's two no, shots. That's I, what you gotta think. I get it, yeah. I get it. But like <laughs> what happens if like I pull and then uh, my dog runs in front of me and now I'm like, shit, what do I do? Well, like, you should, well do you work for the ATF? You should be when you're going to get a dog. <laughs> and you'll be that's fine. Good, yeah. That's good. That's true. That you just need yeah. to hold the trigger if that's the case. So I, I have no interest in a binary trigger. Um, they don't interest me at all. It's just way too much. Like you're, you have to take two shots basically. Have you ever used one? No. I have. I have some experience with the binary trigger. And? They're one, they're fucking fun as hell. Well, I do think it's a novelty. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I think it's a fun sort of, right? Yeah. And so- I actually had experience with one before everything got weird in New York. Actually, that those are it's coded in law. You cannot own a binary trigger in right. New York State. Yep. I had some experience with one before that happened, and there is, uh, yeah, there is some getting used allegedly. to allegedly. No, <laughs> so there is, yeah, obviously a one on the pull uh, press, one on the release. Right. There is actually because of the way the two trigger sears and the mechanics. If you're holding and you're like, oh, I'm done. Oh, I don't want to shoot. There's again. a way to release you. It. You hit the safety right. and it holds the sear, so you can do that. It's just a lot of thought process. It's it's extra. It's, it's, it's a, something to get used to. Yeah, there is a niche for it, but so I, I think that this is a much, in my opinion, a much safer, simplistic, and if you want a very rapid firing semi-automatic mm-hmm. firearm, this to me is a much better product. Uh, but obviously, you know, the government doesn't want us having any fun toys. Mm-hmm. So go ahead, Keith. You can take. You can keep going. Yeah. Well, I was gonna give. Can you uh, give your interpretation of the difference between the two? So you gave us the binary, and then so this so with this one, re- and when you pull back, it literally forces your finger forward. And yep. obviously, if you're pulling, it's gonna force it forward just enough for the reset, and then obviously, it's going to send the next round. So this, I don't want to say it's more like a bump stock. It's in more, sense, more you, in that in that realm. It's like bump firing yeah. the trigger as opposed to bump firing yeah. the entire gun. Right. Something yeah. along the lines. It's a good way of that. to put it. Yeah. Be- now, so what's interesting is this, you know, we get in, we've talked about this before, right? It's when these alphabet agencies yep. start defining law. Right. Or start mm-hmm. defining interpretations of law. Right. You know, so currently, regulations define machine gun as a weapon capable of firing multiple shots with a single pull of the trigger. 
That is not what this I does. I was going to say, so if you're going by the letter of the law, if you're reading this like very nuanced, Correct. that is not the case because it is not a single trigger pull. It is bumping your finger right. off yes. and you are in a, in a way being forced to repull, but mm. you are repulling a second per trigger from pull. From what I understand, because I have no experience with the FRTs, from what I understand that it, on the sear, the engagement where the trigger is, there's like a little bump that actually pushes against. And if you like pull back and hold on it, it won't keep going. Okay. There's like a certain amount of Correct. pressure that you have to have you have on to your feather it. You yeah. kind of have to feel, like, feel so, it. Something like that. So Rare Breed's owner, Kevin Maxwell, has said that, you know, this is not a machine gun because it forces the trigger to return to the start position after each shot, satisfying the requirement of one function per round. Mm -hmm. I mean, it fires fast, he said. <laughs> oh, it does. It's reasonable oh, it does. for people to ask questions. He said, but it's not that it fires fast. It's how fast it fires fast that matters. Wait. So did what? I know that I was going to be, it was going to be controversial? Sure. But did I think I was doing anything wrong? No, I still don't believe I'm doing right. anything Right. Okay, wrong. so I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here. Um, You're good at that. Yeah. Well, normally Keith is. Normally this is your, <laughs> normally this is when Keith does. But let me start by saying, I think it's perfectly acceptable for anyone that is a responsible person in this country to have one of these. I also think it's perfectly acceptable for any responsible citizen in this country to have a full-on machine gun. I have no problem with any of that. But currently the laws are that you cannot have a machine gun. Not that you cannot, but very, very difficult, right? We'll, we'll, it's a very extenuated process. Yeah. Very and right. only certain states. I do, yes. I do agree that this is not, by the letter of the law, a machine gun mm -hmm. because, it, because of the fact that it is not a single trigger pull. But this is where... And again, I'm playing devil's advocate. Eh? We're being very nuanced. And yeah. this is like, we don't like it when the left does that shit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so like, it's basically doing the exact same thing as a machine gun. And we're trying to be like, well, but it's not a single trigger pull. Yeah, but it, in the spirit of the law, mm -hmm. it's it's well, it's, it's doing the, the same, essentially the same uh, thing. I, but it's not the spirit know, of the law though. that matters. It's the letter of the law. And what can you give me an example? Yeah, and can you give me an example of where the left is being nuanced? That like so I can try to relate because I'm not relating. Um, I'd have to think about it, but like, well, because I'm, and let me explain why I'm not relating. Like, I mean, maybe we're the ones that are nuanced. You know, yeah, we but, but we are more nuanced. We are more, more nuanced, maybe. But it, it's like the assault weapon, like the mm -hmm. term assault that weapon. term that was made up in the '90s, right? Like they make up a term, you know. But like, what makes it an assault weapon? It's a who, made up thing. Who of us have not done a mag dump as fast as we can? I mean, I just did one the other day. I literally did yeah. one on well, a controlled oh. mag dump. But yeah, I do them all the time. It's yeah, fun, right? All the time, it's fun. So like, why do I not want a trigger that helps me do a mag dump fast? <laughs> exactly. No, I, I agree with you. I'm just saying that, again, I'm using- Like, just because I'm close to a machine gun- Doesn't mean it's not. <laughs> doesn't mean it's a machine and gun. And then to play devil's advocate to your devil's advocate, yeah. if this is going to say, oh, this is technically, you know, it's not a machine gun, but it does what a machine gun does, how far do we take that? Do we go into, like, that, the precision rifle triggers? Where's the line? Do we go to Jerry- go halfway yeah. to a machine gun? Do we gun? go to Jerry Mitchellek and say, hey, you shoot too fast, right, we're right. going to cut your index finger right. off? Like, <laughs> that's, where, that's a good where one. Where is that line? Well, and here's the thing, and this is the whole, like- um, like this goes against Bruin, right? So again, like oh, I'm, I'm not saying I believe in this stuff. I'm just kind of putting mm -hmm. stuff out there. But if we're looking at the idea of public safety, right? I'm air quoting public mm -hmm. safety. 
Well, you know, you could you could argue that if you are someone who's like, I'm looking out for public safety, and I think a machine gun is unnecessary. And I think that it is not in the best interest of public safety. Again, that's not that's not prior to Bruin. But this does the essentially the same thing. So if you're looking to stop violence, if you're looking and that's how the left is gonna look yeah. at this. Well, it shoots fast, it's loud, it's scary. And right. if we make this go Listen, away, things the, will be better. That's why I'm playing devil's advocate name, here, because that's what they're gonna say. Of course. And and in the name of public safety, the ATF has been asking people who bought these to turn them in voluntarily. Uh I'm pretty sure they're not voluntary. I'm pretty sure people <laughs> actually know it. I have a buddy upstate who purchased one through a distributor and the ATF showed up to his door and said, really? where is your trigger? That uh, happened to a bunch of people. Yeah, no, it's not voluntary. If you have one. Oh, they literally wrote that in this article. The really? ATF has been asking people to who bought the force reset triggers to voluntarily turn them over. And by the way, I... But maybe they're not. Maybe, maybe they're voluntary is, hi, we're here to voluntarily have you. <laughs> I have used the, the nuances to kind of mm-hmm. skirt things. So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but it, you know this is a slippery slope because then what happens is they go, okay, well we'll just change the definition then. Yes, and that's what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know. I I mean, I thought it was a very interesting article, and uh, you know, it's the whole yeah. she- Chevron deference, the idea that they're you know using their power to right, right. Re- regulate uh, something that was not put into law, and mm-hmm. that they exercised that quite well. And there is another Supreme Court case. It was. Um, uh, West Virginia EPA, or West, it was a EPA West Virginia case where basically it's the same regulatory thing where you know a three letter agency way overstepped their bounds in interpreting laws, and the Supreme Court said no, you can't do that. But because it was a Supreme Court case, it set precedents for this exact kind of thing. Okay, so I I'm done. I'm taking off my devil's advocate hat. Okay, I, I'm, I'm back on your team, guys. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so before Thank we move you. to the second- I didn't like you. On I know, I, I really hated myself there for a while. So before we move on to the second half of the show, I want to briefly talk about Four Patriots. Their 72-hour kit will provide breakfast, lunch, and dinner for three days. And at only $29, it's a very affordable option to get one for each of your of the members of your family. Keith and I personally taste tested this kit and we weren't disappointed. I can honestly say that they make a quality product at a great price. It's all made right here in the USA and has a 25-year shelf life but it gets even better. They've offered our listeners 10% off with the discount code GUNEXPERIMENT10, so go check them out at 4patriots.com. And I have to say, I know some of our listeners have reached out to me and said they used the discount code and they actually took advantage and got some of these for their family. I think that's awesome. I think it's cool that people, uh, that, that were able to provide a product and, and a discount for something that is helping people. So I think that's awesome. And you know, if you're thinking about it, go out there and make it happen. What did you guys have? Keith, you want to talk about the meals? Yeah, we had the vegetable rice mm-hmm. and uh, mac and cheese nice. and grandma's oatmeal. Yeah. Really? The food, it yeah. really is excellent. Actually, yeah. one of the people who had bought it reached out to me, I think on Discord, and was like, it really is good. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I wasn't okay. lying. Like, it really okay. was good. Yeah. Because yeah. I do I no, do a little well, bit of the know, stocking they, they, and stuff. And oh, I yeah. have like uh, the mountain house tins because yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got some. Those are pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those were good. But these are a bit cheaper. Because mountain, mountain house is Mountain expensive. house is very, very good. Yeah. I have a couple actually mm-hmm. myself, but they are very expensive. Uh, next time we get in a sample, I'll, I'll have you over. I would love to well, try that and. And Sean, we got that 10% off code, so that makes it a little better too. Anyway, so we're going to move on to uh, another article here. This is uh, the man in, where was it, Michigan? Michigan, Who calmly shoots a would-be robber while holding a six-pack of Miller Lite. 
That's awesome. Yeah, and the title of the article, Moment uh, Hero Michigan Gas Station Customer Calmly Shoots. I have a problem with the hero part here. <laughs> why? Uh, okay, I'm curious. <laughs> why, do you, why do you say that, Keith? I mean, it was reckless. Okay, the, uh, don't the, go for it. Thank you for saying that, because I, I think we're on the same page here. So let's let me just outline a few facts here. So, guys, in a I mean, he's shooting one handed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I shoot very well one handed. You do. I was just gonna say, I'm pretty sure we could have pulled that off safely. A matter of fact, if you're in the store, Keith, and you and you don't have anything in your hands, you want me shooting? Pick one-handed. up the Miller Lite and then start shooting. <laughs> so the first off, the uh, the bad guy, we'll call him. He was a three time felon. This is not a guy who's he's not a good guy. Shocker. You know, this is not his first offense. Michigan does have in their laws a defense of other, of others. Mm -hmm. So it is part of their their laws for self-defense that you can step up to aid others in danger. So that was, at first I was like, man, like in New York, like, man, you're really treading on some thin ice. Uh But I read that and I'm like, okay, so Michigan actually Mm -hmm. has this as something to allow people to help others in need. And I thought that was, first of all, I think that's awesome. That's cool. Michigan very has cool. that, right? Very, very nice. Of yeah. Me. You got to be very careful here. So one of the things, and Keith, I don't know if you picked this up. I'm sure you did. But he openly admits that he couldn't see what the robber was holding, but that he merely saw the fear in the clerk's face. And I'm thinking, and Sean, I know, I know we're on the same page with this. Yeah, I, just hearing that, I'm like, ooh. It's like, wait a minute. That would have gone way different in New yeah. York. I mean, ooh. I'm not I'm not trying to be vulgar, but like, what if the guy went in, what if he was mentally, what if he, slim what if he was, I was just going to say, what if he's slim mentally gym. incapacitated and he goes in with a dildo and he's like, Hold, <laughs> I mean, that would put fear in my face, uh-huh. you know? I'm I'm joking, but I'm. I'm <laughs> what are you gonna do yeah, with that? Where's that going? Hold I, on. I, I'm joking, but I'm not. I mean, like you, you don't know what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. I once took a course where this came up, and they said, uh, you know, you shoot this guy, mm-hmm. and maybe what you don't realize is the guy behind the counter earlier in the day robbed him mm-hmm. and he's going in to get his money back. You know, you don't know the situation. Yes, and this is something that. Oh, I can plug our force on force class now. This is something we talk about in force on force. It is a very delicate balance of the white knight syndrome. Like you want to help because, you know, you're the gun guy. You're the good American. You want to help. But you don't know what these two people's deal is. Like if if it's not a problem to you right away, it's not that I want to say, oh, it's not my problem. But if you and yours are okay, best bet might be just to leave. The only time I... uh the only thing I always put in call into question with this is same scenario. You're in a gas station, whatever guy comes in with a gun, you uh-huh. see the gun points it at the clerk. Mm-hmm. You're maybe behind the guy. And there is, I believe there is a reasonable fear mm-hmm. that he could potentially take money, mm-hmm. shoot the clerk. Mm-hmm. And now what's he going to do? Potentially shoot other witnesses, other people. So at that point, maybe now it's too late. So, Go ahead. Very good point. You mentioned that when um, when I trained in Tom Given's instructor class, this is a this specific thing that he talked about. I don't remember what state or what time period, but there was a time period where they changed a penalty for murder and robbery to be the same sentence, which means people who are committing robberies were now going to commit murders because it's the same problem. So as opposed to just robbing somebody, right. they rob them and then kill them. That way there isn't a witness or a statement. And if they get caught, it would have been the same penalty regardless of what they've done. Right. That's always been my sort of like mm-hmm. sticking point just in terms of if this guy has a gun and he's robbing somebody, 
there's a there's a chance that mm. it's going to go south quickly. Yes. But I still think if hey, if you're right near the door, it may be better just walk out that mm-hmm. door and and save yourself and move mm. on with your day. Absolutely. So be a good witness. Yeah. Well, Keith, so, you were saying that you thought the tactics were bad. Where were you? Where oh, were they were. Yeah, real. I'll I get mean, into that too. They were bad. So he reaches. He's he's in another aisle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know how many aisles he away he is from the video and from the picture. Do we want to try to pull but, it up or? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I mean, even even from there, it's like different camera angles. Mm-hmm. So you don't. I mean, you don't know if he's two aisles away, oh, one is. aisle away, but he's oh. he's he's more than he's at, at least an aisle away. So he has to reach over an aisle, and <sighs> I don't know what he's holding, but it is a very very small well, barrel. He's also a big dude, so. You could. Ar- it you still could- looks like it's not a Nighthawk. <laughs> it's some sort of subcompact type gun. <laughs> you it's definitely. You could argue that he is using concealment. Uh, sh- uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, so uh, I guess he's hiding I mean, behind it's the not shelf. Good concealment. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know why he didn't put know, the beer nothing's down. Gonna, yeah. Nothing's going to stop that. He yeah. does not put the beer down. He, I, I meant to say cover. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. I meant to say cover. Well, no, it's concealment. It's not cover. What he's hiding behind? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was right. You're yeah, right. Was when it's the, yeah. That <laughs> shelf is not a, stopping when it's bullets. A, when it's a shelf full of potato chips, it's not. Well, covered. that's why it's concealment. <laughs> correct. Yeah, yeah. You're correct. Right. He fired shots. One hit a liquor bottle, mm-hmm. and then others catch the robber in the arm, back, and face. Shot him um, in the face. The the robber fell to the floor and then started crawling towards mm-hmm. him. So what does he do? He ran to his car to get another magazine. Mm-hmm. So a couple things <laughs> on this relating to. Like in Texas, uh, I want to say over why the... Did, why didn't he put the beer down? I, I, it's either listen, extreme stress inoculation or complete obliviousness. Well, there there, yeah, is, there is science behind this, mm-hmm. that if you have something in your hand, you yeah, will I don't, not... I've, I've talked to other instructors about this. I don't, there's a specific word for that. Like yeah. You cop, actually grip tighter. Yeah, like cops who get into like shootings in like a traffic stop, if they have a ticket book, guns come out, and he's still holding the ticket book because yeah. of the stress. It's very common. Also, I want to talk about his gun handling for a minute. Look, did you see like what he's doing with his hand? Like He's got the gun in the two hands, and like it's tucked with the beer, and you could have just put the beer, like you're saying, you could have put the beer down and done this properly. I mean, in all fairness, he did get it looks the, like he's taking it out of a holster. Yes, like, like a pocket. Like he, like he took the pocket holster out of the pocket, put it in his other hand, and then drew the gun and flagged his whole arm as he was going to do I what mean, he's doing. I hate to say it, but in all fairness, he did take care I of the I think he was he like, did do the hold job. my beer! He did, yeah. No, he did what he was supposed to. He did. He took care of the problem sloppily but he did it yeah also he was like watch talking about shooting and use of force remember in texas a while ago there was the guy who robbed the taco place and there's yes. a video taqueria. He, yeah oh yeah taqueria yeah, yeah, yeah. we, we, we and, covered that on this show yeah yeah and you know, he gets up he shoots the guy you know th- three times four times five times six times seven eight nine and he's on the ground and he drills another round into him i don't want to say this is similar but it was getting to the point of excessive use he was better though no, much, this, this, much much oh, better. way better well I did read today that he is not going to be charged. Okay. So he, he is not being charged. According to the law, the way you read it, Mike, he's yep. within the law. He, yeah. Follow the letter of the I, law. I think he, yes. And I think he got very lucky <laughs> because he, Keith, to your point, and I hadn't really watched the video saying, I saw the fear on the guy's face. I mean, he's pretty far away to even, even if he could see the, what he had in his hands, it might be tough. Yeah. He's far away. I mean, he's like an aisle over. Well, we also don't have a perf- we don't have a great perspective. Actually, if you scroll down, you can see it a little better to that next one. Yeah, I mean, he's far away. So he's one <laughs> aisle away. Ah, yeah, he's it's, one aisle it's away. getting into but questionable. That's a solid. That's a solid. What, Sean? It's it's more than ten feet. And I would say fifteen, twenty feet. Twenty. At the I most, was going to say fifteen. But- 
and notice that the robber is behind the counter with the clerk. So not only is he 15 feet away, but he's 15 away shooting through a tight window to get this to this guy. Again, I think he got lucky here. Lucky that the guy had a box cutter Mm -hmm. and it wasn't a a sex toy, Um, (laughs) you know, and... I mean, he didn't hit any innocent people. No bullets went through the store. And yep. Didn't go into other so, places. I, you know, I think all in all, it worked out well for everybody here. But, yeah, I'd say so. You know, bad guy got yeah. the bad guy. I mean, if you want to get into the sex toy thing, let's say he had a fairly large one that had some weight and supposed he was bludgeoning the clerk. An then- assault sex toy. <laughs> yes. A high capacity <laughs> assault sex toy. <laughs> all right, Keith. Uh, we've talked quite a bit about electric cars on the show. Um, yep. this article was interesting. So this is Ford CEO admits to a reality check during F-150 Lightning Route 66 road trip. So what do we got here? So uh, Jim Farley, uh, Ford CEO, as you mentioned, uh, decided to take uh, a Ford Lightning, which is new, their new EV pickup truck. Uh, the gas-powered Lightning supercharged V8 was way cooler. <laughs> but okay, you know, they got this going. Uh, he decided to take it for a road trip, and uh, he realized what everyone else is realizing or starting to to deal with when you take these electric cars on on long road trips. The charging uh, stations can be a challenge, and he there was one place where the line was like two hours long to get a charge, <laughs> and um, you know he's really they got to find he 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 it this is part of. He's spinning this as part of the reason why they they decided to start working with working with Tesla mm. to uh, provide, you know, for drivers access to all of their superchargers and things like that. But, um, I mean, I think it just goes to kind of show a little bit more of what the issue is with with these electric cars. And if you are out of if you're gonna if we're gonna get to a point where these are gonna be mandatory, everybody's gonna have to drive one. We are not set up now for that yeah. i was again i mentioned and, cousin andrew we were talking about this topic as well and the the pros and the cons of electric cars and i i read or listened to something the other day that was very interesting and they were talking about uh and I, I'm, I'm not knocking here i'm just stating facts that president biden had set a goal i believe it was that he wanted by year such and such 60 percent of all vehicles on the road to be electric vehicles 2035 maybe. maybe numbers i don't know i think it's faster than that yeah. but yeah 60 percent. Yeah. and the stuff i was listening to that was very interesting was saying that we don't have enough lithium nope to no. to accomplish that goal, mm. let alone the infrastructure of the charging and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's it's really really. I'm not against EV cars. If you want one, go get them. I, I yeah. think there's some really cool ones out there. But let's not act. Like, and we've said it before, Keith. Let's not act like this is the you know end all be all. Fix no. the six. Fix the problem. Yeah. It's just not. And, and uh, so two things. One, I want to I want to address the lithium thing. But but before that. He did have a good experience as well. Mm. And, you know, I don't want to say that every experience was bad, he, you know, but it really has to do with the kilowatt size of the charger that you are using. It's a lot of power. Um, you know, if you 350 kilowatt and up chargers are, 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 you know, fast chargers and you can get quick, easy, easy charging, but there are a lot of 180 kilowatts and they're slow. Okay. So he spent 40 minutes to get 40% charge at one place. I mean, you know, you can fill a gas tank in less than 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? So, and you get 400 miles on average out of a, 
you know, most cars mm-hmm. in the United States that are gas. I say my Subaru, I think I can get 450 if I stretch it. Yeah, uh, th- that I'm saying average, right? You know, but yes, you're right. There are, you know, I think my wife's car, when you're driving in eco mode, you can get like 480 nice, nice, or something, you know, so that's all great. Mm-hmm. But it, the point is, is, you know, we we don't have the grid. We don't have the power grid set mm-hmm. up for this. On the lithium thing, I ju- I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. Where does dead dinosaurs come from, remind <laughs> me? The ground. Right, right. right. Uh, where does lithium come the from? Ground. Ah, the, the ground. The oil There's only from. a limited amount of lithium. Uh-huh. There's only a limited amount of all of these heavy metals right. that are in batteries like what are we we're trading dead dinosaurs Mm. for another rocks well (laughs) mineral like i don't in all fairness and this is just me the 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 sort of science nerd in me uh, you're not wrong at all and i agree with everything you just said but the difference is is that what they're claiming is that the fossil fuels when you burn fossil fuels it's it's deteriorating the 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 atmosphere Uh, Right? Okay, but, but what happens not, to the I'm lithium not, not when you dispose of the batteries? hundred no, percent. How does the lithium get to the factory? I understand all that. Oh yeah, but they're only, yeah. they're only looking at one part of the equation, which is glo- they're looking at global warming. Okay, they're looking at the exhaust, right. the emission mm-hmm. side of the gas-powered combustion right. engine, but they're not looking at what do you do when all this lithium gets recycled mm-hmm. back and, into and the I've ground. And I've told <laughs> people this. I've had this conversation with many people about the idea that, so like I, I use coal mining as, a, as an example of this. Solutions often create new problems and you can't just look at the initial problem that you're solving because, so again, coal mining, if you were to say, all right, we're going to ban all coal mining in the United States. Okay. There are literally entire states, Pennsylvania, West mm-hmm. Virginia, that not entire states, but large portions of those states that rely their economies rely on that people's jobs rely on that families rely on that and so if you're going to do that you need to have a solution what are you going to do with those communities where are you going to fill that void right you you can't just say well we solve that problem and then just move on Mm -hmm. you're talking about human lives and so for this situation we're talking about where are we getting the lithium from so fossil fuels Mm -hmm. we have fossil fuels in this country but lithium we're we're sourcing this from China. We're uh-huh. sourcing this from the Middle East, and so A- Africa, yeah, yeah, Africa. Africa. So we are literally relying on, host, I'll say, hostile nations, not great places, not great that? places, and not great working environments. And that, thank you. Yeah. Don't forget to uh-huh. add that because pictures of these lithium mines, right. they're like children. They like, it's like the blood diamond mines that yeah. we hear about. You, yes, it's the same kind of thing. It's their terrible. Elbow to their elbow to elbow digging for pieces of lithium. Right. It's crazy. Crazy. And then on top of that, Crazy. you're putting. And all- isn't lithium poisonous? Like lithium sure. is not good. I can imagine digging it out of the ground. It's probably not good for your insides. Yeah, science guy over there, Mike. Like, can I eat a chunk of lithium? <laughs> I would, and I would, I would like, highly advise against that. Uh, you know, and then the other part of this is you are putting all of your infrastructure because if we were to go sixty percent mm-hmm. EV, you're putting that much of your infrastructure in China's hands. What happens mm-hmm. when China goes? Yeah, we're not giving it to you anymore. Yep. What do you do then? Mm-hmm. Right. So listen, I, that's what they want. That's a hundred percent. I mean, this really worries me again, not because I don't want people to have EV cards. If you have one and you like it, awesome. Good on you. But I, I would drive one right. for a normal commute, yeah. like a, a predetermined mileage commute, like that the same drive every single day. 
where I'm not, but but the the technology is not there yeah. to do a cross country yeah. trip like this. And 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 Jim Farley of Ford is not the only guy to do it. Right. You know, there are other people who've tried to do it, and they do do it successfully. But now more and more people are trying to do it because there's more and more of them out there, and there's a problem. You know, yeah. the the infrastructure is not there. By the way, I want to tell both of you, I had a really good time with this episode. A lot of good stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about guns, a little bit about everything, and it was really You good just like me not being there. <laughs> Sean is doing a very nice job in your chair, I have to I appreciate say. appreciate that. Uh, but I do want to end with one last uh, firearms-related, and, or I should say mm. arms, we'll call it. Uh, and this is the Weapon. Ninth Circuit Overturns Butterfly Knife Ban. And so I found this very, very interesting. I, I did a lot of listening to smarter people than me talk about it from a legal sense. And this was a three judge panel from the ninth circuit out in California. Uh, the three panel was made up of one judge uh, appointed by George W. Bush and two Trump appointees. So it's interesting because that demographic, uh, sorry, that dynamic of that circuit has really changed a lot. Mm. And it really goes to show you that depending on who you get on these three judge panels really has an important big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And Keith, you said it before, I think it's kind of, it's kind of like luck of the draw, right? In some, in some cases. Yes. Well, I don't think in this particular district, but some districts, you know, it could be three judges. It could be five judges. It could be seven judges. Yeah. There's, it it just kind of depends on a rotation. Right. And so what was interesting was that, but this this became less interesting when I found out who the judges were appointed by, but it's still nonetheless, I think, pertinent. Mm. And that's the idea that this was, you're talking about a, the Ninth Circuit has not typically been very pro-2A, very pro-arms, um, but that they actually uh, applied Bruin yes. the way that it was meant to be applied and that the ban was not consistent with the nation's history and traditions. And so- it's good to see mm-hmm. so many um, cases and si- starting to see more and more judges actually apply this the way that the Supreme Court wanted them to. Yeah. I wish New York would do it. Yeah. Um, but I found it sort of uplifting, I suppose. That, it's something. You know, that, yeah, it's it's something. So I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, California in recent years has, the, their Supreme Court's kind of been leaning over to the right, like with their magazine capacity and assault weapons stuff that's kind of, in limb, the only reason they don't have those li- lifted is because of the appeals and the, well, the processes. This is the part that Keith knows this it frustrates mm-hmm. me all the time is it's like no win feels like a mm-hmm. win because it just kind of like gets kicked back around yeah. and, you know, we just go around in this circles. This gets appealed, and, this gets petitioned, and yeah, that happens yeah. all the time. Keith, what were your well, thoughts those, on this? Because this is right in your wheelhouse. Those things do come to an end, those appeals and things eventually, <laughs> just the patience that you have to have for it, which is tough. Um, overhaul, I mean, I laugh at it. It's a knife. Right. Like, what yeah. is the difference? It's also like the most unwieldy not, knife, know? too. Like the most difficult knife to well, use. I, I liken this, I liken this to suppressors, you know, in New York State. You know, it's like we've seen too many bad guy movies flipping a butterfly knife. Oh my God, they're dangerous. Like we can't They said that these knives have been used in movies since the 50s. And that the idea that it's like more scary in theory. Correct. That was the same reason that the um, that New York has similar laws like uh, throwing stars. I forget what they're called. Nunchucks, butterfly knives. Yeah, it was from the it was from the boom. I believe in the eighties when all the karate movies were coming out, and they all had this stuff. And everyone's like, people are going to buy these, and they're going to be stabbing and cutting and hitting each other. So they banned it all on a blanket thing. Right. Well, I I had to. 
to kind of piggyback on that, yeah, yeah. is they say in this article that the reason why Hawaii banned them, I'm paraphrasing, is the idea that they're easily concealable mm-hmm. Come and on. easily deployable. That's a subjective term. And I had, well, to, la- I had to laugh because I said easily deployable. I'm like, it's I not an easy thing to learn how to do. No. Let me tell you what I'm taking out of my pocket right now is this wonderful little anniversary gift Mike got me. And it's pretty concealable and it's pretty mm-hmm. easily deployable. Right. We'll talk about easily concealable and deployable. I got something right now that's easily concealable and deployable right, right now. Well, I don't want you to have those either. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, but what made me laugh about this was easily concealable, easily deployable. And that, and then again, I'm using those words. That's not exactly what they said in the article, but that's the gist is yes. And that is a two way street. Mm. And so what I mean by that is if you're a bad guy, yes, that is not something we want you to have. Something that's easily deployable, easily concealable. Right. But if you're a bad guy, you're going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And if you're the good guy, if you're, if it's me, I want something that is easily deployable and easily concealable. So we need to start saying that mm-hmm. the idea that, yes, I understand that you don't want bad guys to have these advantages, but as the good guy, I want that advantage and it's a two way street and mm-hmm. we have to, you know, you have to stop keeping the good guys from having these. I had that, conver- yeah, I had that conversation years ago with uh, a friend of my family who I went to a range, you know, we we're shooting stuff and I had a compliant AR with the mag lock and the, you know, the, the MA loaders and the guy's like, Oh, that's kind of a cool thing. That way if some, you know, bad guy gets it, he, he can't go on a mass shooting rampage. I'm like, but I want that magazine to stop the guy on the mass shooting rampage. Right. I attribute it. I call it the kindergarten analogy. You get a bunch of kindergarten kids at a playground. You know, they're out in the woods or yeah, in the field and they find sticks. You know, they're playing with sticks and then one kid hits another kid with a stick. So the kindergarten teacher takes everybody's sticks away. And that's the same thing that they do with this kind of stuff. Oh, butterfly knives are bad. Nobody can have butterfly knives. But the bad kid is still going to go and find another stick after like, all the sticks get taken away. Right. So uh, normally this is where I would let Sean have the last word on today's show. But Keith, since you are our special guest, <laughs> I'm going to let you Mike have Mike just doesn't want me to talk. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm, uh, I miss being in person with you guys and, uh, I'm glad I was still able to make it even though, uh, I am enjoying vacation a little bit here and, uh, going to go have a few more drinks and, uh, hope you guys, uh, will have one together for me while, uh, while I'm not there. All right, man. Well, well, we miss you and, uh, you know, obviously you'll be back soon and you'll be here for next week and I can't wait to be back in studio. So I think that'll do it for this episode. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in and a very special thanks to Big Keith for hanging out with us and shopping it up. Be sure to head over to OFTLLC.us and check out all of their training classes. If anyone out there has any opinions or thoughts on tonight's conversation, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram, Twitter, Discord, and let your voice be heard.